0: is so good to have every one of you well most of you here with us today um, but uh, hey uh, right now we have uh, a lot of people joining us online as well and so if you're in the room with me would you join me in welcoming our online community good to have you have you with us And if you're in the Owasso area, we just want to continue to invite you to be a part of our live services. Come and join us. We'd love to have you here with us in the seats, all right? Hey, last week we launched into a new series called Mixtape, and hopefully you were here for that. But we uh, launched into that series, and we talked a little bit about these mixtapes and uh, just some of the reminders uh, for those of us who made these and and, uh, how we put them together. But uh, we put them together with our favorite songs, right? And uh, we put them together for certain moods, certain occasions and everything. And so our series is in the book of Psalms, which is a collection of songs, much like our old mixtapes or your playlists of today, uh, where you have all those favorite songs in one place together. The Israelite people would have their, their book of Psalms, their book of songs that they would sing together, whether it be with their families or whether it be with fellow believers or even by themselves in personal time, oftentimes while they traveled, they would sing these songs all to remember their heritage, their traditions, and most of all, to remember their God." And so as we walk through this series, we're going to be kind of looking at some of these key songs that they uh, have sang for, for generations and, uh, and see how we can learn from them. Now last week we started with Psalm chapter 1 as kind of the preface psalm uh, of the whole book, uh, but don't worry, we're not doing 150 weeks of songs, all right? We're not going to go through every one of them. Uh, this week we're going to be over in Psalm chapter 8, and uh, so if you've got your Bibles, you want to there, that's where we're going to be here in a moment, or if you have your app, have that ready to go as we're going to dive into that, okay? But uh, so today, what, we're going to talk a lot about God's creation, because that's where Psalm 8 goes, that's where David, King David, the author of Psalm 8 goes to, and maybe you can think about things in creation that just leave you in awe, right? Probably every one of us can think about places that we have been, things that we have seen that, that just leaves us going, wow, that's amazing. I mean, here in Oklahoma, one of the things that we have the, uh, the benefit of seeing, we just saw last night was an Oklahoma thunderstorm, right? Coming across the plains, right? And uh, we got to take that in last night as it came in. I love thunderstorms. I mean, I love it. Uh, whenever uh, uh, Travis Myers comes home, it's like, yeah, here it comes, all right? When's the gust front going to get here, right? And I uh, love when that wind comes in, that when when that wind hits and the temperature just drops and, and the freshness in the air in that moment. It's just, I enjoy that, you know, unless it like blows things away in my yard. But that's okay. Okay sometimes too uh, but uh, I, I love that uh, when that wind hits, when the rain comes in, that freshness comes over the over the land you know just it's, i love I love the booming thunder and lightning. I, I was heading home from here uh, late last night after the storms have rolled through, and as I'm heading south the, the storms are all past, but you could see the just the lightning off into the into the south where the storm was still heading and and I was just like wow, that is awesome. So maybe you got to take that in a little bit last night. Now last night's storm actually didn't turn out too well for us. I left my sunroof open on my truck. So my truck's actually parked out here. You see an extension cord going in it. I've got a fan blowing in it right now in the church parking lot, but that's all right. Um, Also, our dog pen collapsed from all the rain that kind of... Anyway, and uh, so it was. It was just not a, a great storm. Oh, we had leaks in the building here too. So it's just, it just—it wasn't a great storm from that standpoint. But the awesomeness of it was there, and uh, got to take all that in. Now, now I'm also a fan of the mountains, the Rocky Mountains to be uh, exact. And and this is a picture of Mount Princeton. Matter of fact, the the view this shot is actually taken from uh, a highway, a road that when we go whitewater rafting at youth which several of us will be doing next week, which I'm looking forward to that. The highs are in the low 70s. (laughs) Anyway, um, but as you head down this road, that's the view you get of Mount Princeton. It is amazing as we head down to to the Arkansas River to go rafting, we get to see that. And uh, I have been to the mountains almost every year for the last 35 years, and I still find myself in awe. Whenever I roll in, turn into the mountains, when you come down to the canyons and you're just looking at the towering mountains around you, I I find myself in awe, maybe you do too. Several years ago, back in 2009, I've told the story about our family going to Yellowstone before and, and all the things that we got to see at Yellowstone, just some amazing things. If you've been there, you know what I'm talking about, the, the geysers, the sulfur pools, just uh, all the animals, just everything that you got to get to see. And, and on that trip, as we were leaving, we were heading out the east uh, uh, entrance, east exit of the of the park, and uh, this picture is kind of taken in that area, and, and it was a Sunday morning, and our family, we just we just put pulled over. We wanted to have a moment with our kids. Our kids were little then, and uh, we pulled over just to have a moment, kind of a devotional moment. We had communion with, uh, with the kids there, and I remember my wife, Steph, saying something there to the kids that just has seared in my head. She goes, you know, we see this, and we know that God created all this, and it's so awesome, but there's so many people who don't believe in God, but yet what they don't realize is that when they see this awesomeness and they are in awe, they're giving God praise and they don't even know it. <laughs> I thought, oh, that's genius, yes! There's so many things that we see in this world, all of creation that we see in this world points us to God and His awesomeness and His majesty. And that's where David, again, the author of Psalm 8, takes us to in the Psalm, it's a familiar song. Uh, that many of you know. Matter of, matter of fact, you might remember the old Amy Grant song when, when she used to sing it, uh, Lord, oh Lord. I'm not gonna sing it. <laughs> oh, that would be bad. But uh, maybe you can uh, remember that song and as we get into the text, you'll, maybe it'll hit you and you'll remember it for sure. But when David wrote this, it's believed that quite possibly he wrote this as a boy whenever he was out in the field at night watching over his father's sheep because the imagery that he paints for us of the, the, of the stars and the galaxies just seems like he is out in the field just looking up at God's creative work. And so as we dive into the text, I think we'll, we'll get a glimpse of that, and you'll see why many people believe that about David and, and when he wrote this. So let's just go to verse 1 there, Psalm chapter 8, and it starts off by saying this, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Now he begins with, oh, Lord. The the name that he uses for Lord here is Yahweh. It's the I am. It's when Moses came to to God and said, who am I going to tell the Israelites sent me? And he says, I am sent you. Yahweh, the most high God, the God who always was, always is, always will be. That God, that's the the term, the name that he uses of God there. Oh, Yahweh, most high God. Our Lord, he goes on. Interesting that he uses our there. He goes to kind of a a corporate plural word there because what's interesting about that is up to this point, everything he's said in chapters 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7 has been very personal, a lot of I, my, me statements. Matter of fact, chapter 7, verse 1, here's how that one starts. O Lord, my God, in you do I take refuge. Save me from all my pursuers and deliver me. Here, very personal. Chapter 8 shifts gears. Oh, Lord, our Lord speaks to the corporate worship that we are to have with one another. There's, it's very important that we have our personal time, the me time with God to be able to, to, to worship him and to, to, to lift his name up. In my personal time of worship, I enjoy those. And maybe you, you can relate and you can talk about or share stories about your personal time of worship, where you like to be. I like my back patio, just a cup of coffee and my Bible. I just, that's my spot. I love to be there. love to meet with the Lord there. But there's something different about when the church comes together, the body of Christ gathers in a place together and lifts up the name of Jesus, Right? There's a lot of Sundays where I find myself down here in the front of this room looking over the crowd, listening to the voices being lifted up to Jesus, and I get emotional in those moments because there's just something about when God's people come together and lift up the name of Jesus. I, we, we probably haven't experienced that before like we did last year in, in COVID and all the pandemic, right? And uh, maybe you can remember the first time you came back into the, the fellowship and was together to be able to worship. And we still have people showing up today uh, for the first time for over a year and coming back. And, and everybody almost speaks about how emotional it was to be back together to worship together. It's emotional. David here seems to be saying, hey, there's a a time, there's a need for us to corporately as the body of Christ come together to lift up our Lord and lift up his name. Now, he goes on there, O Lord, our Lord. Now, the second usage of the word Lord there is a different name. He uses the name Adonai, which means master, leader. And so he goes from you are the most high God above all things. We can't fathom your awesomeness to our Lord, my leader, my master, who's personally involved in my life. He's that kind of a God. Oh Lord, our Lord. Goes on, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. A lot of different versions say different things about that word majestic, wonderful, excellent, praiseworthy. All those things, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Now, it's kind of interesting. Why didn't he just say, how majestic are you in all the earth? Well, that's kind of what he is saying. The word name, the idea of a name in the Hebrew, uh, for the Hebrew people, that that's really signified or, or encapsulated all of who a person was, their very character. And so he says, you are all about you, your very character, everything about you, God is majestic, and we see it in all the earth, all of your creation. And he's going to continue to unpack that, that idea that in all of your creation, we see your majesty, we see your excellence, we see your power, your awesomeness. We get a glimpse, God, of you everywhere we look. Amen. And so again, he's going to continue to unpack that through the rest of this this chapter. I, I think Paul, over in Romans chapter 1, gets a he touches on this a whole idea of seeing God in creation. Over there in chapter 1 verse 20, he says this, "'For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse.'" Paul says, we can see God in all that he has created. We have no excuse. Every one of us should be able to recognize the handiwork of God in the world around us, in his creation. Yet so many in the world ignore him, don't they? He is the God that created all things. And we see his power and his might and his awesomeness in all of his creation. One of the things I love to do at Youthquake, did I mention that we're heading to Youthquake this week and the highs are in the 70s? Anyway, um, one of the things I love to do when we pull into the mountains, for on that, that, it's on Saturday morning, we stop in Denver, we eat breakfast and then we, then we make the drive and as we pull into the mountains and, and we're just just walls of granite just everywhere, I love to turn the students in my van and just ask, how many of you are seeing the mountains in person for the first time? And usually you don't have to ask because they're the ones that their eyes are like, <laughs> you know, looking out the window. But yeah, there's usually a few of them. But all they have ever seen of the mountains are on a screen or on a page. And when we pull into the mountains the first time, they're just looking up, trying to see the tops. And they're taking it all in because it's so awesome and it's so beautiful. I think that's where, why David takes us to creation, to recognize the awesomeness of God, to describe how incredible that he is. Keep on going in that verse 1 there, the last part of that verse. He says, you have set your glory above the heavens. God, you have set your glory purposefully, intentionally, God, you have set your glory above the heavens for all to be able to see. I think it's interesting that he, he makes that statement that his glory is above the heavens, not in the heavens. He's he's looking at the the stars, what would be considered the heavens for, for the Hebrew people, the Jewish people. They they see the stars as a as a level of heaven, and so he says there's the heavens, but God, your glory is beyond the heavens. Matter of fact, this earth and the the star Starry heavens can 't contain your glory, your glory is so great that it 's above the heavens beyond what we can even fathom or imagine. So often it seems like in the in the Christian world and Christian life in the church today uh, we, we, we sometimes get very self centered in our um, pursuit of God and our, our worship of god we, we like to we have a tendency towards to push it towards us, to where we become the center of the universe. God, well, God loves us, and so aren't we great? And we, we even have, there's been some songs that have come out that we try, not to, we try not to sing songs that point towards us. We want to sing songs that point towards God. But in the church today, there's been a tendency towards lifting up man more than God. David here is saying, God, you're above all things. It's all about you. David Platt, minister, he says this, the message of biblical Christianity is not God loves me, period. As if we were the object of our own faith, the message of biblical Christianity is God loves me so that I might make him his ways, his salvation, his glory, and his greatness known among all nations. Now God is the object of our faith. And Christianity centers around Him. We are not the end of the gospel. God is. God centers on Himself, even in our salvation. Throughout Scripture, we see God from time to time bringing Himself glory, doing things. And the quote you'll see is For my name's sake to lift up himself, and for us, sometimes it's like, well, that's kind of weird that God would do that. I mean, we're supposed to be humble and, you know, not lift ourselves up, but you're not God, <laughs> all right? God is God, and he is the one to be lifted up, and God is the greatest good, and if God is the greatest good, the greatest good that God can do is to lift up himself, right? Right? So that all mankind can look to him and worship him, our God, the great God, the most high God, the greatest good that there can be, God. If he elevated us and put all his love and affection upon us above himself, what would that be? Idolatry. Oh, he loves us indeed, he does. And that's a magnificent thing to take in as we think about God's love for us, this most high God that he is so concerned for us. David's gonna get into that. But that doesn't elevate us beyond God. Oh no, his glory is above the heavens. We can't fathom how amazing and awesome our God is. David continues. Let's keep on rolling here. Look at verse two with me. It's going to take us a while. We'll go this slow. Uh, Out of the mouth of babes and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. God, as you walk through God's word, you see over and over again Him using weakness. To bring himself glory. That's the idea here of using the, the mouths of babes and infants through children, through through those who are the weakest, he brings about his glory. And Jesus actually refers to this text at one point in his own ministry about the children who cried out Hosanna to him. God uses the weak for his purpose. 1 Corinthians, Paul there talks about this when he says this in verse uh, chapter 1, verse 27. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Goes right along with what David is talking here. God displays his glory through the weak. Why does he do that? Going on in the text. And he says there, because of your foes, because of your enemies, to still the enemy and the avenger. His desire is, remember, our God is all about, He wants to do all He can to bring as many people as possible to know Him and follow Him, to have salvation in Him. And if He can bring Himself glory to the weak, He leaves His enemies, those who are against Him, left with one decision when they see God do something great. Either believe Him or reject Him. That if God would do something so amazing through that which is weak, that there's no other explanation than God, there's a decision that has to be made. Am I going to follow God or am I going to keep going my own way? His desire is to reach his foes and to reach his enemies. Now, David, when he was writing this, he may have been very well thinking about literal enemies of the nation of of Israel, of God's people. He may have been thinking that way, but every one of us, we have foes that are against us. And we have a foe, an enemy, Satan, that is against us. And David here says, God, you continue to use the weak, the foolish in this world to bring yourself glory. And we know ultimately so that more and more people will come to know you. So that you will be recognized and people will see your awesomeness. Listen to how David continues to bring praise to God. Look at verse 3 with me. It says this When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place. God, God, when I look at this creation, when I see what you have done, your heavens, why does he say your heavens? Because they're his heavens. Why? Because he created them. All right? When I see your heavens, the work of your fingers, God's fingers, God's fingers that created, the idea of him using the word fingers there is the intricacy that he used, the creativity that he used, the dexterity of our fingers that we can do things with, that God would would do delicate, create delicate things in creation around us. He says, God, you use your fingers to create Wow, we could delve into the science world and talk about the intricacies of the human body and the the muscles and the sinew and all the things that it takes to make a body work and the intricacies that God did created with his own fingers. David here says yeah, you're fingers. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, they're yours too, God, because you created them. Again, you're beginning to see this imagery of David out in the field at night looking up at the moon and the stars on this black canvas of the night, which you have set in place. God, you've, you've put them there. You put each one in its place. God, as I look at these things, I am amazed What you have done, David is looking up at the sky, and remember, he's in a in a place in a time where there's not light pollution like we have today. We we don't get to see uh, when you're in in the city. We don't get to see near what what David would be seeing on this night. And he's looking up at the sky, and he doesn't have the science that we have, the telescopes that we have today that that show us how many galaxies are out there and how far galaxies are from one another. And scientists are still trying to figure that out. Uh, Do you know our closest galaxy is the Canis Major Dwarf Galaxy? That's the name of it. To get to that galaxy from our galaxy is 25,000 light years. Speed of light, 25,000 light years. Put that in uh, our term, our current space travel speed. If we went to the next galaxy with our current speed of travel in space, it would be 749 million years (laughs) to get to the next galaxy. Do you know how many galaxies there are? Yeah, nobody knows. So, uh, but there's a lot of estimates out there, everything from about 190 billion to uh, 2 trillion galaxies in the universe. Now, David, he doesn't have that knowledge or ability in this moment to, to take all that in, to really recognize the, the vastness of the universe. But what he says is still true, that God created all of it. And he placed each one right where he wants it. That's our God, the master craftsman. I also ask this question in this moment. What is it about this moment when David is writing that enabled him to capture the awesomeness of God? What is it that enabled him to, to, to look upon the stars this night, and be in awe. He starts off that text by just saying, when I look, when's the last time you just looked at God's creation without distraction? See, we live in a, in a time and a culture where we are very distracted, aren't we? Right? We're, we're very distracted in our lives today. Do I have to hold my phone up to illustrate? <laughs> okay. These little things, they, they want our attention, like 24-7. They want our attention, sending us little messages all throughout our day and even into our night, wanting our attention. One minister said this if the church, if the churches came to understand that the greatest threat to faith today is not hedonism, but distraction, perhaps they might begin to appeal anew to a frazzled digital generation. That's an interesting statement. That's one as a minister, it causes me to kind of take a little gut check, say, as the church today, are we Adding to the distraction? Or are we clearing a way for people to be able to see God and to see Jesus and connect with Him? We need to ask ourselves that in this distracted time that we're in. Many of us today are missing out on God's majesty because we're distracted. It may not be because of a phone. It go down the list of things that we allow to distract us in this life that keep us from connecting with God and seeing God the way David is seeing him, seeing him here. But David in this moment, he's not distracted. He is locked in on God and his awesomeness. And so where does this leave David? As he's taken in the the majesty of God, look at verse 4, he goes on, he says this, What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? When he he looks up at the heavens and he sees the stars and he sees and and recognizes just the amazing awesomeness of God, he comes to this thought, why do you care about me? (laughs) I am... So small in this universe. I'm small in this earth. I'm small in this town. But in the universe, God, you are so mighty and awesome. Why do you show concern for me? What is man? I think it's interesting he says what is man, not who is man. We're in another creation of God here. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Here's what I, I see David saying here: when we when we see ourselves in our proper perspective, we realize just how small we really are. Us and our humanists, we have this tendency, right, to make us a bigger deal of ourselves than we should. Right, I'm 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 a pretty big deal. You know, no, (laughs) no, no, I'm not. No, you're not. God's a big deal. And let's see ourselves in the proper perspective. This is where I think David begins to shift now that he's recognized and he's seeing himself from the perspective of the, the majesty and the awesomeness of God and how small he is. Now he begins to understand a little bit more about how amazing God's grace is, that he does care for us, that he does love us and have concern for us. Look at verse 5. Yet, <laughs> I'm so small and I'm, I'm, I don't amount to anything compared to you, God. Verse 5, yet you have made him, mankind, a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. In spite of my smallness, God, you still love me. You made us just a little lower than the angels. Now, the writer of Hebrews, go over to Hebrews, quotes this verse and will say, that this is speaking to about Jesus it's a messianic messianic psalm and it points to Jesus and it does it does describe him that Jesus would would step onto this earth and he would take on our humanness. But there seems to be this kind of a, a double meaning going on here in this text. David is thinking about our humanness and, and the amazing idea that God would care for us and, and even give us this, an amount of glory and honor as we live out our lives and we rule over this earth. As he's going to talk about here in just a minute, we, we get to experience that. But Jesus was the one who ultimately played this out, lived this out in his life as he's the one that received ultimate, was ultimately crowned with glory and honor. So it seems to speak to both our condition as man, but also prophetically of Jesus, the one who was to come for us. Why? Because God loved us so much. He has such incredible grace. Listen, it's, It's when we recognize how insignificant that we we are that we can begin to truly see how vast God's grace is. When we really begin to see how insignificant we are, then we can begin to understand just how vast and huge God's grace is, that he would care about us. I mean, there's times where I think, God, why don't you just end it? (laughs) No more because there's some crazy stuff happening. But he doesn't, because he cares, and he loves us. David goes on. Let's keep on rolling. Verse 6, you have given him dominion over the works of your hands, it's talking about mankind, you have put all things under His feet. All sheep and oxen. He starts with sheep, I think, because he's out in the field with sheep, and so that's the first thing on his mind. Sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the of the sea. Whatever passes along the paths of the seas, God, you put them all under. Our dominion, go to Genesis chapter 1, we have that text in there. At the same time, there's a dualism going. It's uh, mankind has a dominion. We have an authority on this earth. But at the same time, Jesus has that ultimate authority over this earth. How magnificent it is that God would entrust this creation to us. And then David ends this psalm just like he began with that declaration. O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth! It's an interesting psalm, short, nine verses. But one of the interesting things about the song, psalm, song, it is a song, is that it never calls the, the reader or the singer to do anything. I mean, most of the songs, if not all of them, there's some challenge, there's some something to to reach for, to strive for, to do in our life. But this one, there there isn't any of that. It's just a declaration of God's majesty and awesomeness. And then here's why He's so majestic and awesome, and another declaration of how awesome He is. (laughs) It's just a psalm of praise to lift up our God. David seems to be saying, don't miss the majesty of God. Don't get so distracted in this world and in our lives that we miss out on the majesty of God. J.I. Packer in his book, Knowing God, he says this, what makes life worthwhile is having a big enough objective Something which catches our imagination and lays hold of our allegiance. And this the Christian has in a way that no other person has. For what higher, more exalted, and more compelling goal can there be than to know God? So here's what I want to challenge you to do this week. I want us to take this device that often distracts us and I want us to use it to point to God's majesty. So um, here's my challenge. Most of you have one of these, I'm assuming. If you don't, get a camera. Anyway, take the camera and when you see something, I want you to do this every day this week, okay? When you see something that you go, Wow. Take a picture. Go to your social media, because most of you have that too. If you don't, text it to a friend, okay? But caption it. Maybe you just want to caption it Psalm 8. Maybe you actually want to put the whole psalm on there. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Caption it. Post it. Post it on your social media. One time a day for the next week. Look for the things that we so often overlook, the sunsets, the sunrises, a flower, the face of a child. Have you ever considered the intricacies of your hand, the eyeball? Get creative. I want to see some of these. Be sure to tag First Church, First Church, okay, all right, because we want to see some of these pop up. Because we want to be a church that doesn't miss out on the majesty, the awesomeness of our God. So as we end our time here today, I just want us together to say that verse, that declaration, one more time together, okay? On the count of three, one, two, three. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Amen. Father in heaven, it is our prayer that we will not miss out on your majesty, your wonderfulness, your excellence, that your creation is screaming out to us every day. God, help us to slow down and recognize you. So God, maybe there is a moment of conviction here for some of us who just are go, 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 and we miss out. On you. We don't give you praise. We don't give you glory for the very breath that we're breathing in the lungs that you created that give us breath and so many other things. God, help us to slow down and to see your majesty. And God, help us, Father, to recognize how incredible it is that you love us, that you desire to be in relationship with us. And above all that, that you are willing to send your son to die for us. God, that is amazing. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.